0: is it a shark? Yes, but not
1: just a shark. Well, then
0: what is it? Tiger
1: plus a shark. What, what,
2: what, what, what? Tiger, shark. Oh, what? Tiger, oh, what?
1: Tiger Shark? Oh what? Tiger Shark. Oh what? Tiger Shark. gonna kill
2: these people?
0: We think so, but the great white is
1: everyone and welcome back to let's jaws for a minute the podcast which takes a deep dive into steven spielberg's 1975 classic film jaws minute by minute or thereabouts i'm your co-host mj smith
0: and i am sarah buttery and we are joined by a guest this week very excited to have on the show as i know he is a huge jaws fan uh, so welcome to the show nick mia how are you doing today
2: i am great you guys thank you for having me on
0: of course, of course. You were uh, one of the keenest people, I think, uh, that reached out to us about coming uh, on the show. Uh, and I think you were—you yeah, were one of the people who was happy to to come on for anything. Or was this a was this a moment that you specifically wanted to grab? Yeah. I can't quite remember now. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know what? I was excited for either to get the scene, if it could have been the, I could do anything, I'm a chief of police, which is my favorite line of the movie, mm-hmm. uh, or anything in the third act. So when you gave me yes. the timestamp and I knew, like, uh, I'm like, oh, it's the can crushing scene, I'm like, this is awesome. This is going to be fun. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, the funny thing was, the first episode of your guys I listened to, I think was like episode six, because someone, mm-hmm. someone had retweeted it on my timeline and I was like, oh, what's this show? And then I reached out to you. And I was like, this is great. And you go, oh, this is the first episode you listen to. You're like, there's like six before. And I'm like, I'm going to go back now and listen to the <laughs> the other six mm. So, yeah, no, I love listening to it. You guys are doing really good.
0: Oh, thank you. Well, it's, it's great to have you join us for this, uh, this episode. And it's a, a great scene, which we will get onto very, very shortly. But, of course, uh, as a guest to the show, we have to ask you the Jaws question, as it has come to be known uh so what is it uh i guess in in brief because i know you could be, you could probably fill a full hour with this anyway um but what is it about jaws that you that you love so much uh that you wanted to come onto this podcast to talk about it
2: yeah uh so so i've you know saw jaws when i was like six seven eight like in that range and i always liked it but as i've gotten older I've grown to appreciate just how good, how good the characters are and usually in what would be a monster movie the characters nobody remembers their names or what they do it's always about the monster and i feel like this is the opposite this is like i don't need a lot of shark to make this movie good because you gave us you know spielberg gave us three really great characters to follow you know one character you know chief brody you get for the whole movie and then as you add on hooper and then quint for the rest it's just like You know, I don't mind that there's not a ton of shark in this because it's it's just three great actors who (laughs) for all the whole third act, you know, coming up where it's just like everyone bickers at each other. But it seems legit. It does not seem (laughs) like forced. I'm like, I would feel like if you're on a boat with two, especially Brody, you're on a boat with two guys who know that you don't know anything about boats or fishing or anything that. Everyone would just get on each other's nerves, and that's what I love about it. It's almost like three brothers who all have to do something, and they're just like, "God, all you do is get in my way." And I feel like the whole third act is just constant, like, "You're in my way, Hooper." Well, you're in my way, Brody. Well, Quint, oh God, he's just cranky again. And it's like, it's, <laughs> it's so good. It is, I think, it's the best, or at least one of the best third acts in any movie. Because a lot of times in a great movie it's the first two acts are really good. And then you're like, Oh, the third act's good, but it doesn't live up to the first two. Whereas in this movie, I'm like, I feel like the third act, you're like, you could have just done like that. That alone would have made a great movie. And it's, it's just so much fun. Um, And it also puts you in the character state of like, they just can't catch the shark. Like it is not going to be just a simple go out, put chum in the water. We'll get the shark and we'll bring him back in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I you're really touching on something that is one of the things I love most about jaws is that it is not uh about the shark necessarily it is a lot about the characters and it's something so refreshing I think for a monster movie to have characters that you care about so much more than the actual monster itself and we are we are on the Orca now like this is it for us this is us mm-hmm. for the rest of the film last week was our our last. Uh, scene on the land and now it is just us and and these three guys and the shark for the whole rest of the film and I I don't know many other films now of this same genre that would go for something so bold as that to take away all the stuff back on dry land like not even a, a cut back with you know you see Ellen make the phone call to the, to the boat or something or you see Larry getting up to something I feel like if Jaws was made now I don't know if they would have the, the guts to sort of keep it as the, the three men on the boat that we get in yeah in this film, well so. and,
2: and how many big blockbusters would be like, we're going to take, you know, maybe you'll, you will have your big three actors in it. You know, you're like, OK, they're going to be the main part of the third. But this is like, that's it. It's just these mm. three. They're like you said, there's no cutback to Mrs. Brody or the mayor, any of the towns. Mm. It's like, nope, their story ends. And you just deal with it. And I think for most people who watch Jaws, they're like, yeah, I don't care. That's fine. Like, you move on from them. They're good (laughs) characters. But they're also – they serve their point to get us to here. And now these three are really what makes the movie special. And that's why I – you know, a lot of people will try to say, well, Jaws is a horror movie. And I'm like, yeah, but I look at horror movies as generally – and I like, you know, some horror movies. But – Usually you're not you're not watching it and you're like, "Oh, the acting's really good." Like, the first Halloween, I love Halloween, but it's just a lot of teenagers and you're like, "Okay, yeah, it's just the, the Michael Myers is scary and that's what makes the movie scary." But Jaws is like, "Yeah, shark is scary, but these three together are more important than the shark, which usually in a horror movie it's it's just the monster, that's what's scary." And this is or that's what everyone wants to see, and I feel like in this movie, you could give me three hours of these three on a boat and i think it would have been entertaining you know mm. um probably couldn't do that back then because it took them so long just to film <laughs> the third act that i think they're probably happy with the 50 minutes they got out of it
0: yeah So <laughs> yeah because the shoot for this was uh famously troubled and uh just thinking if this was another three hours that would be a a, a hell of a lot uh, more episodes <laughs> we would have yeah uh, you know no for complaints. this podcast
2: <laughs> sake, probably a good thing it clocks in just barely over two hours otherwise this would be you guys could have a documentary of this podcast just the commitment to doing a minute by minute breakdown of a three hour plus long movie yeah
0: yeah, I would then like there to be a minute by minute breakdown podcast <laughs> about our podcast that would be okay. really great <laughs>
1: Podcasts all, all the, the way, way down,
0: huh? <laughs> Podcastception. It's a podcast within a podcast within a podcast. Um, all right, let's let's get talking about this week's scene because there. Oh my gosh, there's so much stuff uh, to talk about in this week's scene. Uh, so the timestamp, if you are following along, is from one hour twelve minutes and thirty six seconds to one hour fourteen minutes and nineteen seconds. Uh, so just over the two minutes uh, for this one. And uh, we see the the sort of the shot of the orca leaving the harbour and it fades into the sea, which is now stained red with the chum that they're throwing out to attract the shark. Uh, Brody is shoveling the mixture off the side and uh, having a, a horrible old time with the, the smell and just the generally being on a boat. Uh, Quint is kicking back in his in his fishing chair, making some jabs at Hooper again uh then we have this wonderful wonderful moment that we all talk lots about uh where Quint cracks open a beer downs it in one pretty much crushes the can and uh Hooper does the same with a a little cup of water which is a very very funny moment a very memorable moment in the film uh Brody then uh on his way to sort of get a, a chum marker he accidentally releases some of the equipment uh namely the oxygen canisters that Hooper has bought on board the boat uh we get some great foreshadowing which we'll get into of course uh and Quint uh, sort of makes a remark that he's not sure what the uh what the shark is gonna do with the canisters possibly eat them hmm wonder if that will be important later um and we finish this week's scene off I think just as Quint is uh telling or sort of takes Hooper aside and is like next time ask me which uh, which which rope to pull or which knot to undo uh, and that's where we leave it for this week so there is a lot a lot to talk about and I'm sorry if I say this every week, but this is one of my favorite scenes, <laughs> one of my favorite Hooper moments as well. So we're going to have a lot of fun talking about this one, I think. Uh, so Nick, as our guest, uh, you of course get to go first. So uh, anything that you picked up on on in this scene, or sort of something you want to mention that you that you spotted watching it this time?
2: Yeah. Um, so the first one is uh, Hooper saying "Damn it, Martin" is one of my favorite "Damn it"s in a movie. He sounds so annoyed, like. Brody is such a, and pun intended, fish out of water in this scene, or this whole third act, because he's clear, he's like the cabin boy, where they're just like, you throw chum, because you don't know how to steer a boat, you don't know how to do anything except throw fish guts in the water, because anybody could do that, and, (laughs) like, when he yells, damn it, Martin, you could just tell how annoyed he already is with Brody, and he's like, we've barely been out on the ocean, and you're already almost gonna blow us all to smithereens, like, it, it is the it's like Brody is is so clearly the th- the third most important person on this boat and it's miles away from whoever the second most important person like he just is, he he really shouldn't be on this boat if he's not the sheriff uh he then he's not on the boat like like he really I think Hooper and Quint as much as Uh, Quint doesn't like Hooper, he at least in the back of his mind is like, well, he does know what he's doing, but I will never let him know that, whereas they just kind of both look at Brody and they're like, good guy, pointless on the boat though, and and (laughs) like so that, and then Brody shoots him a look where he goes, keep that chum marker or keep that chum going, we got five good miles, and you can just see him look back and they kind of have a moment where Brody looks annoyed and Quint's just like, you wanted to be on here. You know, <laughs> it, it, it's like the classic Quint being like, I don't got time for this. You're on my boat. And this is what you're doing. Um, I'll start with that. That's probably the the two things in this scene before we get to clearly the uh, the can crushing, which is just one of the best comedically timed uh, moments in this movie, which has a lot of funny moments, whether they're intentional or not in, in some of the scenes. But this one was like... Dramas like this need good place jokes, and that's a nice way to break the tension, especially because it's going to get pretty intense for the rest of this movie. So it's kind of a funny, like, Quint just thinks he's the big bad man on the boat, and Hooper's like, yeah, no, I I know what I'm doing. You may think I'm a a foolish kid, but, like, I'm not afraid of you, basically. It is, like, in a comedic way when he crushes the cup back at uh, Quint, so... Um but yeah, I'll go with that.
1: <laughs> Similarly is as far as I mean obviously the can crushing, but that's a whole conversation unto itself. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh my favorite little moment is when when Brody is like, "Hey, who's driving this boat anyway?" and like he's it just like feeds into that anxiety he has of being on the water where he's like, "Okay, I'm no mathematician, but there are three of us, and we are three guys not anywhere near the steering wheel. So, who's in charge of that? That part of it. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Quint Quint is just like, the, t- the tide's taking us. And, like, I'm sure that's the last thing Brody wants to hear, because I think the thing he trusts the least in this world is the ocean.
0: <laughs> yeah, I... I love that line as well. I think it's so well delivered. And we sort of see Brody working very hard, chumming away and looking very, very uncomfortable. He is not enjoying that task at all. I can only imagine that the smell is pretty grim. Uh, Hooper is like working with some sort of like wire equipment. I don't know exactly what. I'm not a boat person, but it looks like he's sort of measuring something, perhaps in the water is sort of, I don't know, the waves i don't know (laughs) i don't know boat stuff i'm not gonna try and speculate uh but their boat they're all sort of like doing stuff and and Quint is just kicking back and looking very very relaxed and obviously his his moment comes in a few scenes time when he does actually have to have to do something and and start trying to reel in whatever they've caught but in this moment he is just the man in charge of this boat and looking very very relaxed with it and it's quite a nice contrast from the quint we got in the previous scene which is this really kind of like manic angry energy where he is just doing like a lot of like yelling and stuff and now we get this sort of quiet or quieter quint where he is still you know doing quint like things uh but is not sort of screaming at people swearing at people throwing out you know pirate terms or whatever he is uh looking very very relaxed and very much in in his territory and there's a lot that he sort of does to assert his dominance uh in this scene which i think is interesting and and something that is definitely going to come up a lot more over over the next few weeks but something that i i noticed and i noticed this last week because i accidentally watched a bit ahead because i enjoy this scene so much uh, is we get a, a, a nice subtle little callback to the the previous scene where one of the things on Ellen's little checklist for Brody was the uh, the zinc oxide uh, for which I had to Google what it was, but it's that sort of very heavy like sunblock for for your nose. Um, and we see in this scene that he he has got like a slightly white looking nose, so he has obviously put on uh, that sunblock that Ellen told him to to take with him, which I think is. A nice little touch. And uh, he is also noticeably, um, perhaps significantly, the only person of the three who is wearing a life jacket at this stage as well. Um, He loses it by the end of the scene. But poor, poor little baby Brody. You have never seen a man more uncomfortable to be on a boat, like even just walking back towards the cabin. He just looks uncomfortable. He sort of won't walk unless he's holding on to something like a a rope or the back of Quint's chair or the side of the boat or something. He just looks very, very uncomfortable. Uh, and that is a great contrast with Quint, who looks incredibly comfortable, incredibly relaxed. So you are really seeing this uh fish out of water and using that <laughs> using that on purpose <laughs> brody is the fish out of water in this scene and it's uh it's it's a great contrast to the other two i think um
1: yeah well, i'll go ahead uh, Andrew, sorry. so i was gonna <laughs> say the 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 piece of machinery that hooper is using is mm-hmm. something called a fish low K tour, and uh there is one on eBay right now for $150 and oh. <laughs> Christmas might be coming early to the Smith household, but, uh, they're like, it's, it's the is, actual
2: one from jaws. They're right.
1: <laughs> um, I, well, so I, in my quick Google, apparently it was produced from 1959 to 1984 and, um, it is, it's a sonar, like a, like a sonar machine. Uh, so,
0: okay.
1: Yep.
2: Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah. It, But, like, kind of like you said with Brody, he's, I mean, he's so emasculated in this, in most of the third act, because again, he's just not sure what to do. But, like, he's, he was a police officer at one point. Like, he's not some, like, weak guy. And and Mm in all accounts, he's a stand up guy. And you'd be like, okay, like, he just, it's like he is so, he is so out of place on this boat. And very few movies actually, like, make your, cuz i would consider him kind of like i mean he's the i know it's a kind of a three-way lead but he's really i mean he's in the whole movie basically and he's your you know your potential the, the potential hero but very rarely are they like so out of their element and he is just i mean you know like you said he's in the life jacket he's got the the sunblock on his nose and it's just he it's like man he he is so uncomfortable when he's not on land and and at some point you're kind of like if this was real life if you were his wife you'd almost be like you're not going on that boat you have no idea what you're doing let these two fools go out and p- try to fight this man eating shark and it's like wh- like literally what are you going to do on this boat if things go wrong and uh but like and they just they treat him it is kind of like a they're like it, it's a you're going to have to earn your way on this boat but don't expect us to do the, 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 cabin boy work. That's your thing, man. Like you're going to do the stuff we tell you to do. Like in earlier in the movie, I mean, he mentions that where he's like, it's my charter. And he goes, well, it's your charter, but it's my vessel. When Quint tells him that. And he's like, yeah. and I'm the captain kind of like, I don't care that you're the chief of police and the sheriff. He's like, you're not going to tell me what to do when we're on my boat. And it's, it's a clear line in the sand. And Quint, you get like a more joking Quint, but still, I think he's like, and I'm sure you guys have noticed it, like Hooper's reaction in this whole scene before Brody uh, pulls on the wrong rope. um, Like he's looking at Quint a lot while he's holding his his instrument and he just kind of looks at him and I feel like he gives this look of like, yeah, dude, we get it. You don't like how I do things because I'm young and you're old school. And it's like, is this going to be the whole damn time? Like, could you just for one second stop with the oh everything was different in my day and uh, and the way he says jesus h christ i always thought was a great wine delivery because yeah, really it's nice. just so kind of like because it's kind of like Quint. what are you so mad at you know what brody is and you knew what hooper was why are you so like oh god these two idiots and it's like and the way he opens his beer that, that's how you know Robert Shaw was a like was a <laughs> real-life drinker because you're like there's no way he would not know how to do that and it's so effortless and you could kind of uh-huh. tell in movies when like someone who's like smoking a cigarette's not a smoker mm-hmm. and like this is like Robert Shaw's like I could correct this all day Stephen and he's like well we're actually not filming right now you could stop it's like nah no, no I got this don't worry I'm just getting the character <laughs> like like what a great way to be like your characters a... Uh- a beer drinking fisherman who likes to swear. And Shaw's just like, I got this. This is, I know nothing about boats, but I will make it seem like I know stuff about boats. I gotcha. Like mm-hmm. if, it, like if, if there was ever a perfect casting in a movie, it's Robert Shaw's Quint is just so, so perfect.
1: Yeah. uh I never thought about how expertly he cracks that beer, but that is, <laughs> that is an experienced drinker. Uh, mm-hmm. That is, that was a man who knows his way around a can, a bottle, whatever you put in front of him.
2: If you tried it, you'd like cut your finger off. You'd be like, how did that happen? I don't know. They're like, did you try to do it like Robert Shaw? Yeah, you shouldn't have done that.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to try it with like a can of Diet Coke later and I can only imagine that it will end <laughs> poorly for me.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'll do it with my sparkling water later. Like, <laughs> the, the complete opposite of, uh, of uh, a Gansett. Um. Yeah,
0: okay, we should actually, we should legitimately try, all three of us, to try and crack a can the way that Robert Shaw does, uh, attempt to film our efforts, and then we can put that on. I I will record (laughs) it,
2: and I will tweet it out to you guys, if it's at all worth doing, but I'm like, I will try that on a can, I'm like, I'm gonna have to get something I don't (laughs) mind if it just bursts everywhere, but he just it's just so effortless and i'm like why did and again i mean mj you're like i never really noticed how it's like i think that's the point it's like he just Mm. does it so quick that it's like oh it's not a big deal but to me i'm like man he just he probably did that like 80 times it was like yeah no big deal i got this every single time and i get to drink a beer he's like this is so (laughs) great i get i get to act and and do something i clearly like doing
1: I want to see when they cut, when they yell cut after Quint crushes the can. Uh, I just, I want to hear the audio of the belch he lets out from consuming that much carbonation.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. It's gotta be a lot.
0: (laughs) So it disappears so quickly. Like he, I wrote in my notes, he obliterates that can. And it's not just the way, the way that he rips like the ring pull off. It is the way that he then just like, It is literally like two gulps and it's gone. And I, I mean, I'm not a drinker, but I don't think I could ever look as cool as Quint does down in that beer. It's he, this, this man is born to do this.
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the real life sad part, right. Is that Mm. he had a lot of drinking problems in real life. But uh, I mean, it transitioned or it transferred to the character real nicely. Mm. Um which is, I guess, a, a, a weird net benefit of, of his uh, kind of crippling addiction, uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Sure. Well, and
2: it's, it's what's so interesting about the movie in general is that, like, they went to Martha's Vineyard to, like to do the movie, and they didn't even have Hooper and Shaw cast when they were getting ready to first start, like, their first day of shooting. And I'm like... It's so bizarre because you would have thought, oh, yeah, we had months with these two guys to get their characters down. And it, it's why, jo- it, it, you know, and the, especially like this third act where you really get to see a lot of what makes Quint Quint. And kind of you see like, you know, there, like I said, there's a lot of foreshadowing in this scene, too. But just like it, it's crazy to think how thrown together this movie ended up being and how good it is. There's no way this movie should have been as good with how bad production was on this movie. Generally, this would be a movie that everyone would like teach in a film class and go, here's how you don't make a big time blockbuster because here's a movie that went three times past its schedule and oh, like three times over its budget and we didn't even have it fully cast when we started shooting. And yet like it turns into this masterpiece that's that you would have thought like they had everything down to a T before the started.
1: Yeah. Uh, it w- so going back to the chugging the the beer. This yeah. is how I feel like our attempts at it will go. Once again, you can watch that on your own time uh, if you haven't seen it. Uh, it's the TikTok of the guy who says, uh, "I bet you can't drink a, a sparkling water and not belch," and it is it goes from zero to chaos in eighteen seconds.
0: <laughs> yeah. This is this is a. Uh, I- perhaps glimpse into our very near future when we attempt to do this with, <laughs> with our respective <laughs> beverages um i can i can knock back a, a, a can of a soft drink pretty quick but i i don't know i i'm not feeling confident it's more the opening of it that i'm uh, that i'm feeling a bit stressed about but we yeah. we will see uh, are, <laughs> are they different in the i'm
2: legit even thinking can we fit our finger in that like the hole that it gives you on the bot, Like, is that like a specially made? Now that I think about it, I'm like, I don't even know if my finger could fit like in that little opening. They give you, uh, I wonder if that was a special beer that they, or a can that they purposely made for the movie. Cause I mean, maybe we could, I I guess it's something I'm sure no one in their right mind would really think about when they're opening a a beverage is they're like, can I fit my finger in this part and then rip it completely (laughs) off? Uh,
1: I think the ring the 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 ring tab pull tab thing was made different in the 70s. Um,
2: okay. <laughs>
1: so yeah, I don't think they're meant to come off in one in one pull.
2: Cuz people were cutting their fingers after this movie came out doing that and they were like, "You know what? We really need to reassess how we make the the pull tabs on our on our beers and 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 other beverages." Yes.
0: Yeah. The quint effect uh did not <laughs> saw a rise in uh finger injuries uh, people admitted to hospital and they were like we gotta we gotta do something about this guys <laughs> um yeah i one of the things that i i didn't get to mention last week but i i felt it sort of fitted better this week um is how much of a great and underrated shot we get like right at the start of this bit that we're talking mm-hmm. about with that red uh kind of appearing over the orca as it is leaving the harbor um and then that sort of fading into the red of the sea and it does seem like one of those like very obvious shots of being like oh there is blood in the water the color red we know to mean danger we associate it with times that we have seen the shark attack as well uh earlier in the film so it's it's obviously completely deliberate uh and that it is used and uh our other favorite color yellow as well in the film there's the the chum markers um are like little yellow flags as well so we're really starting to see those colors coming back in a in a very big and significant way in this but yeah i do really love that shot of the of the sort of the red of the sea um making me think of the other times that we've seen red in the water which is obviously with alex kintner and with the guy uh in the little red boat before he is attacked um ben gardner as well i believe is wearing like a red jacket when he when he heads out to sea as the sort of like the last time we see him alive so a great deal of significance in sort of seeing that color particularly in the water um that is obviously very important for the rest of the film and with this being a scene that is so heavy in foreshadowing i think it's uh incredibly significant that that's how this scene kicks off as well with a sort of like yeah all right blood in the water we know things are some things are going to be said in this scene that we need to be keeping our eyes and ears uh peeled for so we can uh, yeah put those uh put those threads together later on in the film but yeah a really great shot I thought
1: yeah well and it, it, it it's cool because it comes right on the heels of them going into the belly of the beast right like we're yeah. we're laying these these visual cues of like kind of cliches without even knowing it and we were kind of talking about this off mic and I'll get to that point but like last week was into the jaws right like it was like we said it's into the belly of the beast here mm. there's blood in the water like we know what those Sayings mean, right? Like it means one, it means shit's getting serious, but um <laughs> it also means that like things might get dire for some of these characters. Um and uh we were talking off mic about how just the foreshadowing in this isn't very explicit really at all, right? Like, so we have the compressed air, the 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 cans mm. of compressed air, and Hooper gets mad at him because it's volatile, but Nick, I think you said that, you know, he doesn't go, you know, if you, or, or when Quint is like, what what are you going to do with that? Is the shark going to eat it? Like he doesn't go, you know, if you put one of those in the mouth of the shark and then you shoot it, and exposed, <laughs> that will solve our problem. Like it's still check. He's like, guys, I'm going to save us
2: an hour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm going to save us so many hours of stress. Chuck that thing at dark's mouth. We got this, <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right. I mean, it's, you know what's funny too? And when you speak about foreshadowing, when he said, Well, what, when Brody goes, Well, what kind of knot is that? It's so funny because obviously there's a very well timed um, not joke, just the next scene with Brody, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. not to get too much into the, but it's like, even like a little kind of line about that. And that, that's like, you know, something Brody, they're like, he could probably learn how to tie a knot. Like again, he is just—he's—he's he's so useless to them at times. Where they're just like, "What can we do for with Brody?" I don't know. Just give him, give him a task that some feel. <laughs> it's almost like you're like a kid who's helping you do something around the house, and it's like, "Oh, you lifted that rug up for me, so I could get something. Good job." And they're just like, "Brody, come on, man. I asked you to get a chum marker, like for a hooper." And then Quince just kind of sitting there like. <laughs> us all Aldab- the i don't care like he's so <laughs> nonchalant about everything that it's like you i'm surprised, like you would be you would think the guy who owns the boat would get more pissed that mm. that this compressed air but instead he was like ah an opportunity to make fun of Hooper for bringing something so stupid onto my boat
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> so should we should we talk all about the the can We've we've danced around it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the,
2: the the white whale of this conversation. <laughs> yeah. The so
1: <laughs> there is. Uh, so th- it's, it's a beer. I, Nick, I don't know if you're much of a drinker, um, but have you had a Gansett beer? Uh,
2: I don't think I have. So I I don't mind beer. I know nothing about any beer. It's always like. Okay. People saying, you should try this. And I'm like, I guess I, I'm like, but I know nothing about it. So I'm guessing it's one you would have to. It's like uh it's not the it's not a, a I, I'm guessing some type of lager from the Boston area. If I had to guess since they're like I that's I'm guessing the type of beer they drank back then. But I don't know. Yeah, I know really nothing about it. Besides that, he downs it just I mean, in a way that seems almost in like humanly not possible to down a beer that fast.
1: <laughs> So it's a Narragansett beer is what it's called. Most people just call it Gansett with like an apostrophe. Um, It is one of the oldest breweries, I think, in the country. It's 131 years old as of 2021. Um, So I don't know how their distribution works. I know you can, it's impossible to find in both areas of the country I have lived in, which is annoying to me because I want to try it. (laughs) But um, it opened in 1890 um and it was its slogan originally was it was high neighbor have a which was uh it was popular in the boston area but it's from rhode island so Mm it's from providence rhode island is where they started um i think that's where they're still located i'm not sure but the high neighbor thing was uh that was their slogan for a really long time um And also, uh, Theodore Geisel created a mascot for them named Chief Gansett. You may know (laughs) Theodore Geisel as Dr. Seuss.
2: Wow. Yep. Uh, (laughs) That was a really shocking fact. I did not know that uh, that, that's...
1: I oh, he's racist. Oh, oh, Chief Gansett is racist. Chief, I get it now. Chief Gansett. Mm. <laughs> oh, I see. No. I was gonna. Yeah. Uh...
2: <laughs>
1: well, there you go. But
2: so, like, but he made a good beer, you know. They're like, that was.
1: <laughs> yeah. Dang it. It's uh. It's just a. It's a. It's a. Caricature of a Native American is. uh yeah. is. I dropped it in the Discord. Uh, but that was, that was their, that was their, uh, their mascot. And then, uh, obviously Jaws made it popular and has made it popular to the point where in 2012, um, they switched their slogan from, uh, high neighbor to honor the man, crush the can, hashtag crush it like Quint. Oh. And, uh, that's real good marketing.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's real good there's our hashtag for when we uh, when we do our crush it like quaint challenges after the... yeah after okay the I'm writing <laughs> that
2: I'm writing that hashtag down now to make sure I put that in there for <laughs> when I try to open that bottle and then or open the can chug it and then crush it.
0: Oh yeah! Don't yeah, don't crush cru- don't crush a bottle. That will end up with you in the hospital. <laughs> oh, yeah, that yeah. would be
2: honestly. I, there's no way I have that much strength in me. I couldn't yeah. even like. I it would just look stupid doing it. So yeah, no, that's that's okay. I'll try to do a can.
1: <laughs> yes, Ew, please. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So... Gansett is kind of my Jaws white whale. I like beer uh, quite a bit. I'm not like a a heavy, heavy drinker necessarily, but I like drinking a beer, especially now that I live in Colorado, because that is our main export. Um, (laughs) There is beer everywhere in this state. And I figured, okay, I can't get it in California. I can't get it on the West Coast. I surely should be able to get it in like one of the beer capitals of the country. Nope. You cannot find Gansett anywhere in Colorado. Um, so its its distribution is very limited to, like, the East Coast of the United States. Mm-hmm. And uh, they sent – this is me getting salty about it. They sent <laughs> a bunch of, like, entertainment journalists uh, for Fourth of July this year. They sent them, like, special Jaws c- cases of Gansa. And I was like, come on, guys. <laughs> like, how did you not reach out to – like, I don't think they reached out to almost any of, like, the Jaws people. Uh, like the the jaws bloggers or anything it's Um, like you
2: guys have a podcast literally jaws is in the title you guys should have been given at least each a bottle sent to you like hey look what we got
1: yeah i that's how i feel about it too where it was just like i saw people who i'm like i've never seen you write anything about jaws like come on man (laughs) Um, like, what's your credentials
2: yeah Ah, i have a computer congrats here you go (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> exactly. So, uh, Gansett, you can more than make up for this if you just reach out. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. but they, um, so they, they, this year they came out with a special edition, like 1975 edition can that looks exactly like the can that Quint drinks in it. So they do that from time to time, usually around the 4th of July. Um, but their cans don't look like that anymore, but you're right. It is a lager. Uh, but at least the they have several beers now, like Hipsters made it a big deal to like, like Gansett beer, kind of like they did with PBR. Um, So uh, they have like a brewery that does a bunch of different types of beer now. And and they actually kind of benefited from the sort of beer culture that sprouted up around the mid 2000s, because I don't know how well they were doing before that. But I feel like I see their name more than I used to. um, Maybe
2: they could use the um, maybe they could use the my cousin from Boston guy to help promote this beer but he could just be like my cousin quint or something like i don't know like they they could do a very funny marketing campaign with 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 uh with this beer but that's that is so much good information about a beer that i just assumed was fake (laughs) 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 it was like i assumed they were like we just need what's up like i just it would be like some small no name that they're like look we don't really use product placement in this movie because Like, it's legitimately, it's a good way to market it, but I don't feel like they put it in your face to be like, you know, like in a movie when Heineken is being, it's like, oh, here's your Heineken. And it's like, it's not like Quint's like, I'm going to chug open this Gansett.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's true. You can also, you can on their website, buy a a stress ball, a stress can that you can crush, which is (laughs) a real good product.
0: I uh, I remember you showing that to me, MJ. Where you showed me like all the merchandise that they sell that is Gansett related, and I was like, I wonder how much it will cost to ship this over. Um, and wasn't it like seventy two yeah. like pounds or something just to, just for shipping? I was yeah. like, can I justify this cost? And the answer of course is no, even if, yeah. <laughs> even if the I can was... is like eight bucks or something. <laughs> yeah. Even if I was not getting married this year, that is a cost I cannot justify <laughs> at all. Um, but however, I I will find a way to get myself one of these little stress cans because I am a, I am a fidgeter uh, when I'm recording, especially so having one of those little cans that I could, one of those squishy little cans mm. that I could crush whilst I'm recording a podcast would be an absolute dream. So we are... (laughs) Look, I might just tweet Ganser and be like, hey guys, we talk about you a lot on this episode. We say nice things. Uh, Send these two guys uh, a crate of beer would be great. And could you just possibly send me a little squishy can as well wow a whole
2: cr- <laughs> well they're gonna send us a crate my god that's Maybe. i would have been like a six-pack would have been fine but yeah, yeah i'll I'd take be a five
1: six-pack if, it, yeah, if it's might. terrible beer
2: it's gonna make a great souvenir to have
1: yeah yeah um so yeah Gansett is a beer i've never tried but uh it doesn't look great but <laughs> but uh <laughs> sorry it should Gansett. be their they're
2: slogan fine. Yeah. not a great looking beer, but hey, Quint drank it.
1: Uh, some of their I follow their social media and some of their other beers actually look pretty good. So, um, I, yeah, this just seems like it might be kind of like uh, a Budweiser PBR type, you know, super cheap, um, accessible
2: Beer. MJ, sure. I might join you on this quest now. One day, that'll be the. <laughs> yeah. I will. We'll. We'll put it out on social media when we finally get to try this beer, yeah. and we'll be like, "Do you have a can with a big enough ring hole that we could just <laughs> rip out and and chug?"
1: So, my final Gansett story before we talk about the scene <laughs> is: we recently went to the oldest bar in my town. It's called the Town Pump in Fort Collins, Colorado. It was established in 1909. And they had a can of Gansett from 75, like a legit, like Quint had it, can, um, on the wall. And I was like, should I grab that and take a picture with it? But then I was like, my desire to crush it would be enormous, and I don't want to ruin their can that's part of their decoration.
0: (laughs) They're like, this was a priceless artifact, and you crushed it.
2: They're like the punishment for doing that would have been they would have kicked you out of your town. They'd be like, "Okay, go move somewhere else. Like yeah. you are banished now."
0: <laughs> All we had left was this ganser, and he's taken it away from us. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, yeah, I this this crush off as I have called it in my notes um, between Quint and Hooper is so wonderful, and just the. Quince kind of overly macho crushing of that can on its own is such a great moment. Uh, but then you get that just extra comedic little button put on the on the end of it of, of Hooper crushing his tiny little plastic cup of water. I don't know what it is with Hooper and very small cups of water. I mean, we had the, the thimble of water when he was doing the... Uh, the examination of, that, of Chrissy's body. That is the
2: smallest cup of water anyone's ever been handed, is the one when he asks for a, a glass of water, <laughs> and they give him that little, t- like, I'd be like, he's a grown man. I get yeah. he's young, but he's not five. Like, who gives out a cup that small? Yeah, they
0: might as well have given it to him in, like, a plastic sippy cup or something that you give to a toddler. Like, that's <laughs> the equivalent that they handed him there. Uh, get this get this man a proper-sized cup. That's, uh, that's what we want um but yeah the just the the kind of way they stare each other down as well whilst they're doing it is so funny to me that the that, that sort of like bit of beer that is still on Quint's lip as well and he's quite he's obviously quite sloppy in the way that he does it he just knocks back that beer he doesn't really care about spilling it making a mess whatever he is just how quickly can i can i down this beer um but the thing that I noticed this time that I don't think I've ever noticed before is Hooper's little gulp when he ta- when he drinks the water. <laughs> it's a it's, wow. it's really turned up in the sound <laughs> mix, right? I was like, I've never heard that gulp before, but I watched it on my big headphones today and I was like, oh my goodness, I love this so much because I, I always just think of his sassy little face as he crushes the the, the can and the, the crushing... Sorry, the, the cup... The crushing of that plastic cup is sounds really great in the mix as well, but that gulp was just everything to me on this watch. I was it made me laugh so much. (laughs) It sounds
1: like a cartoon.
0: It does, yeah. It's so exaggerated. It's like (laughs) It's so good.
2: Maybe, maybe he was not a you know, nothing against Richard Dreyfus, but maybe they were like, Oh, his gulps are just not manly enough. They're like, Up that stuff in the editing room, they're like, make it sound like it is the biggest gulp you can. <laughs> and they're like, We'll leave it in there because I mean, it's a funny moment anyway. But I always thought, I'm like, uh, Clearly, they didn't shoot that back to back because maybe, maybe it's me, but the background looks like he's not on the same boat or in the ocean and i'm Mm. i'm always curious if that was like a moment where they filmed it they filmed quint doing it and then maybe later on they were like oh you know what we never had a reaction to quint doing that so they're like okay we'll have richard dreyfuss come back in and he'll because like clearly that background looks different than yeah it looks
1: like he's in front of a screen
2: Yeah, almost. Yeah, almost. Like, and I mean, it looks good. Don't get me wrong, but it it is definitely one of those where I've noticed the more I've watched it, and it doesn't like take me out of it. I still think it's a great scene, but it's just like, yeah, no, that was one of those that clearly this was not the same day or like same. I like I don't even think that might have been one of those like shoot it on the back lot at Universal in a pool because it definitely does not look like the which and there's a lot of good ocean shots coming up in this in this third in the third act. But uh, yeah, that was one where I'm like. Yeah, that must have been late. They were like, "This would be a really," and it's a good thing though, because it's so much better than just Quint crushing a can and moving on to, you know, Brody uh, pulling on the wrong rope. Like, it's just such a good moment of like these two going back and forth. Like Quint, I'm bad, and you know that. And Hooper, like, well, I'm not backing down from you, but I haven't realized I got a cup. I don't care. I'm gonna commit to this bit, and I will crush this cup in front of you. And then kind of insultingly let's go of it on his boat. Like (laughs) he's kind of littering on his boat right now. (laughs) Uh,
1: this moment reminds me a lot of, have you guys seen tombstone? No. Yes. Um, it reminds me of there's a, there's a, a scene in there where, um, Michael bean who plays Johnny Ringo, the main antagonist more or less of the, of the film, at least, uh, He's the main antagonist for one of the characters, which is Val Kilmer's Doc Holiday. They have this showdown in, uh, in a casino uh, that's not violent or anything, but Ringo pulls out his gun and he starts doing all these, like, fancy tricks, like flipping his gun around, basically, in, in Doc Holiday's face, and, uh... As a rebuttal to that, Doc has this cool little tin shot glass that he's constantly like... It looks like a little mug. Um, So it's got a little Mm -hmm. handle on it. So Doc like finishes his drink and then spins the cup around to make fun of Ringo yeah. and that's exactly what this reminds me of.
2: That is a great and I know you haven't seen it Sarah. It's a great movie to watch Tombstone, but that is a great example of it's basically the same scene just that obviously these are cowboys doing that but yeah you're right that is basically the same as oh you're twirling a gun around look what I could do with a tin cup in my hand like <laughs> Yeah, it's that's a great callback to that. That's a really good one.
1: Yeah, I'll drop I'll drop the scene out of context in the discord so you can watch yeah. it, uh,
2: doesn't spoil anything sorry. either for that movie. Like that one little not like this cup crushing thing is like, oh, my God, what happens? At Jaws? They yeah, <laughs> <laughs> unless you're an, a beer chugger who thinks that you're the fastest, like that would have been a great competition to have between Robert Shaw and the cast and crew mm-hmm. like who could chug a beer faster than Robert Shaw?
0: no one no man no 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 one no shark no no (laughs) (laughs) yeah there's a whole
2: monologue about it that they cut where he's just like i was the fastest chugger in the west and in the north (laughs) and in the south and in the east
0: it's funny that you that you mention that scene actually because i've i that scene from tombstone because i've always thought that this scene has got that kind of uh western style you know standoff between between these two guys and quint is not necessarily in that moment making it a competition he's not like here hooper grab this can let's see who can chug it the fastest or anything it, this is just like what he does is just kind of like kick back in his in, in his chair and knock back a ganser and and you know he it feels like he's doing it as a sort of like showing off uh, type of thing it's probably just what he likes to do when he's out on his boat alone but he's definitely putting on a bit of a show for for the audience that are there um so i really love that it's hooper who kind of makes it a competition uh just to sort of be like i can i can hold my own against you quinn i i'm not gonna let you walk all over me and and actually we see it happens a lot later and not really until the sort of, you know, Mm -hmm. I'll I'll drink to your leg scene, but we do see these two kind of form a very unlikely bond. It it isn't then sort of all sunshine and rainbows after that, because they have a moment after that when they sort of, it feels like Quint is going to hit him at one point. He's very aggressive uh, towards him and isn't sort of taking his advice, but it's, it's interesting to sort of see these very, very early scenes between Hooper and Quint as they are obviously trying to figure each other out and test yeah. those boundaries and I like that Hooper is kind of standing up for himself I mean we we, we mentioned it earlier I think uh Nick you mentioned the way he sort of like yells uh, at Brody as well like that is really the first time I think that we've seen Hooper get quite shirty directly towards Brody I mean he's been angry at the mayor he's been angry at Quint uh, angry at just the guys on the dock generally, but we've not really seen any of that sort of like anger or frustration directed towards Brody. So that's an an interesting uh moment or altercation between between those two. But there's a a really great uh bit sort of prior to the can crushing when Quint says like he's doing his, you know, oh kids these days uh thing again. Uh they take out everything radar, sonar, electric toothbrushes and and he is sort of (laughs) laughing to himself um a very obvious jab at Hooper and Hooper is just shaking his head in the background it's just some really great very subtle physical acting from Richard Dreyfuss that I that I really appreciated so his uh his cup of care uh towards Quint has now been emptied crushed and thrown down on the 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 bottom of the orca he is not gonna let this guy walk all over him anymore and I I like and appreciate that because I think you could sort of see Hooper as the sort of, you know, the soft city boy, but he's not that at all. He's uh, he's he's not going to let Quint walk all over him, but Quint is going to continue to try anyway.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I wonder if you guys, I, I would be curious how you guys picked up on this line. So the very end of this scene is the, you know, once uh, Brody takes the life jacket off and he goes back by the chum and Quint tells him like, Hey, Chifi. Next time, just ask me what what line to pull. Mm. I always looked at it as the most human he gets in a moment where he's just like, "Hey, look, if you really don't know, just ask me." Like, like he still has this facade of like I'm the tough guy, and he can't quite shake that facade in front of these two. But he gives it like one. There's always like these good moments, and 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 really good actors know how to do it. But like. We're just like, no, this is Quint actually being genuine to Brody saying, hey, if you don't know it, just ask me like I, it almost like and I know it could be, I you know, like they could have made it where he yelled that at him like, hey, next time, you know, but it was just him being like, hey, man, I get it. You're out of your element. Just ask me next time. We're cool. Almost like a I'm not just going to yell at you 24 seven, but also this is maybe the nicest I'm going to be. So, dude, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, just take the moment for what it is. But like, it's a nice moment he has with him. Um, that, that I always just thought was like, oh, that's the most like human Quint gets to that point in the movie of not being just this loudmouth, you know, sailor. Um, I was just curious what you guys thought of that particular little line reading right at the end.
1: Um, I really like it, I actually agree with you quite a bit. It reminds me, um, sort of of the industry that i'm in which is live concert production so i do sound uh i've talked about it before but there's a reputation like there's a certain type in the that industry that's like really bitter and shitty like they they, there's (laughs) no other way to like describe it like a a lot of sound techs that you see are uh people are gonna get mad at me if they're also sound techs especially if they are this type (laughs) a lot of them are failed musicians uh who are bitter that they didn't make it as a musician. in my experience, the best sound guys to work with and gals to work with and non-binary pals to work with are the ones who have no ambition to be a musician whatsoever. <laughs> they like the tech aspect of it and they like the, uh, the the getting in there and making a show sound good because they like experiencing live music. Those people, yeah, 100% in my experience, are great to work with. The ones who are bitter because they feel like it should be them up there suck. Um, that said, and they they like, there is a reputation of like, oh, the sound techs are angry. Um, mm. and which is not untrue. It is, it is a stereotype for a reason in my experience, but <laughs> at the same time, um, it is one of those things. And now I want to be clear that I don't think that, that the way they treat a lot of people is great <laughs> most of the time. Um, and that you know. Uh, th- that said, when you do get either compliment from them, it does feel very nice. Uh, but also, I think there's a safety first aspect to everything that like overrides even that. Like even for as shitty as someone could be in in that industry, in my experience, they don't want to see anyone on any crew get hurt ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, there's always like a good cop, bad cop in, in that situation where it's like you have the person who's like, hey, s- stop, Like, just stop whatever <laughs> you're doing. And like the live sound industry isn't the most dangerous. It's it's a little more physical and a little more demanding. Um, and, you know, the, you're working with electricity. Sometimes so you have to be a little bit aware of that, especially if you're working in lights. Sometimes you're climbing on heights and stuff. So there's there's, you know, I'd say above average. uh safety precautions that need to be taken from like a desk job for sure it's way it's probably way more dangerous than that um, but you always have the person who's like whoa hey back off and then you have the person who's like okay that happened you either got lucky or it was it, you know it, it wasn't minor but it, it it was minor enough to where it was like not a huge deal but we are going to say, establish this boundary of ask a question if you don't know before you do something that can result in a major injury. Mm. Um, because in my experience, like, yes, I granted I've never used, like, those compressed air, like the ones I'm used to working with are for the computers and stuff. Um, they're fairly volatile, but they're not, like... I mean, we're not talking about, like, uh, uh, nitroglycerin or, like, dynamite. Like, the, like, this isn't, like, the stuff he's transporting in Sorcerer, right? Like, this is... <laughs> This is not, if you just bump it a little bit, it's going to definitely explode. Um, So it's, it's a bit, I think of an overreaction. Maybe it gets worse when it's in a bigger package like that. Mm. Um, But yeah, to me, I think I, I see Quint being like, Hey, that happened. We need to get past it. It wasn't like, it's fine, but we want to establish like the rule of like, look, like do so, if you, if you don't know something, ask about it before you really screw us on this. Mm. Mm-hmm.
0: That's really interesting because I had a slightly different reading of of that line. Um, so I mean, we've we've had this before where we we've, we've sort of like seen things in in different ways. So I guess maybe I can add something a little different into the mix. But I've never I've never sort of really thought about it as as it being this sort of Quint being uh nice or or sort of like you know try you know maybe this is the one time or one of the few times we see him be be nice and actually trying to be helpful um was my reading of it and I maybe just sort of hearing the the way the line is actually read and where he places the emphasis my reading I took away from it is is Quint trying to be like look if you want to know like what is the right thing to do like ask me like don't ask hooper ask Mm. me like you know uh i i am the one who is the 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 captain of this of this boat and who is in charge so i kind of took it as a like a a subtle way of him sort of like sidling up to brody and and just very gently asserting his dominance um and showing that that he is the the apex predator and we talked about the significance of the the orca and him naming his boat the orca is the only thing that can kill a shark or you know really is is uh, humans and, and orcas um, i'm sure there are probably other things and our resident shark scientists will, <laughs> will correct me if i'm saying anything <laughs> insane but the only like real considered predator of the great white shark is is an orca so quint calling his boat that is is not a coincidence and and him sort of being in this scene a particularly very kind of like relaxed kicking back but in charge I always sort of saw that that what he says to Brody is that kind of like you know you want to know the right thing to do I'm the guy who you need to who you need to talk to and and yes there is that element of like it is it is helpful it is useful I suppose to Brody but I kind of I saw the slightly perhaps underhand thing in that as well which is him being like you know this is this is my boat this is uh this is my area of expertise and you want to know how to do something then i'm i'm the guy you talk to but interesting to sort of see both both sides of it i mean just that one line and the (laughs) the different things we can take away from it is one of the reasons why this film is so great and why we you know continue to sort of be able to fill an hour or so each time with (laughs) <laughs> content talking about it, it but yeah i don't know if if that is something that you guys have thought about as well or if it's yeah, like makes yeah, sense. well you know what like,
2: that's a good point and and what i guess we don't know too is what number take was that and how yeah. different was it because mm. i mean it, 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 whether it's him knocking hooper or trying to be nice to brody it's really the first time it seems like he's genuinely talking to brody though even if it is to make right. fun of hooper He's not yelling at him. And I'm curious if because that, that's kind of the, what's so interesting about this movie, especially with with the type of actor Shaw was, because there's plenty of stories of like, you know, the 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 big monologue coming up in a few uh, episodes. Um, he was drunk when he did that, and it took two days. And like after the first night. He like apologized to Steven Spielberg and they're like, it's okay. We got enough. Like, we'll come back and do it again. And then like the next day he was sober and he's cause uh, he was kind of one of those, like, it was a different time. A lot of English actors were the type where they could get hammered and go out and do a, a three hour play mm-hmm. and be, and be yeah. great. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how Shaw was. And I, I, I wonder how much of this third act is like, So many takes of, okay, guys, and 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 again, and it was a shoot that we all know, and anyone who knows this movie knows, it was not easy. And a lot of the actors a lot of times are sitting around because the damn shark won't work. I'm curious how many takes that are actually made in the movie. Like, was there different ways he did that, or was he always, however his motivation was for that one line, it's just the first time where it just seems like he's not being the hard ass who would be like, Brody a dummy look what you're doing ah you're a sissy and this and that and Mm -hmm. instead it was just like like you said even I never thought about that that he could be making fun of Hooper while also being like just come to me but also yeah Hooper's dumb don't listen to (laughs) don't listen to Hooper (laughs) it's me it's my boat Mm -hmm. almost like a little kid like can't you just not be mean to Hooper for two seconds
1: (laughs) well I feel like it also could be a little column a a little column b where it's Mm -hmm. like uh because Brody just doesn't ask anyone anything. He just goes and starts touching <laughs> shit. Like, no. You know? true.
2: He, I think it's one of those where Brody was just so pissed that they've been making him throw chum. He's like, I'll go get the stupid chum marker. And then when he pulls the thing, it's like, oops. Oh. And then and then when Hooper yells at him, his mechanism would be like, well, what the hell kind of a knot was that? And it's like, yeah. Uh, Come on, Brody, you could have had a better comeback than that.
1: Yeah. Well, I love that too, where it's just like, does Brody know anything about knots actually? Yeah. Or
2: You know what? If Hooper would have called him out on that and said, well, what not, Brody? He'd have been like, uh, yeah. uh the, the bunny rabbit knot? <laughs> like, he would have just made them like, oh, great, now I'm really going to... He's like, please don't ask me what not, because I will lose so much credibility with, this, with, with you two on this boat. But yeah, you, you are right, though. When he yells that at him, I wonder if he's like... Oh, crap. I shouldn't have said that because I don't know what not to tie these <laughs> air <laughs> he's air tanks, too. I'm not sure. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shall we? I mean, we've kind of talked a little bit about the, the various examples of, of foreshadowing. Um, mm. I think we mentioned it a little bit earlier, but we can we can talk about that. Uh, before we wrap things up so there's quite a there's quite a few and there's the sort of more obvious ones with the canisters which if you obviously have seen Jaws many many hundreds of times like we all have then you know any mention or sight of those canisters were kind of like yeah I recognize those <laughs> I recognize those I know they're going to be important later and uh Hooper sort of says you know if you're not careful with these they're going to blow up Um, and Quint sort of follow up line, you know, again, another jab at Hooper, you know, like real fine, expensive gear you've bought out here, Mr. Hooper, I think is another great line. And then he sort of says about the, the, you know, I don't know what the shark's going to do with it. It might eat them. Uh, Seen one eat a rocking chair one time. Side note, that's a very funny mental image to me as a shark as a shot uh, <laughs> eating a rocking chair. Um, so we've got all of all of that stuff, and I think that is uh, is great. And the the blood in the water that I mentioned sort of right at the start of the scene as well. But um, we also get a mention of the barrels, which I think is not as yeah. out there as uh, or sort of out in the you know obvious uh, place that the the canisters are. But Quint is talking about the. Another shark that he was pursuing, I think he said it was a sixteen footer, and it required uh, two barrels to 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 bring it in. So that is significant because uh, the number of barrels that have to be attached to the shark, we sort of see it increase as the film goes on, um, and without realising it, we've been planted that piece of information, and we find out in only a few scenes' time, I think, or a few minutes' time, how big this shark is when we realise it's a it's a twenty five footer uh so if we can remember this (laughs) this line uh or if there is sort of any you know small seed planted in our brains about this line about you know a 16 footer required two barrels we know this is going to be a hell of a task to try and bring in this this shark that is you know what nine feet longer than the the one that quint is talking about so it's the barrels are something that become incredibly significant uh both in the film making sense because it helps them not have to show the shark as much when he was having an off day and and kicking back with a ganset um but it also (laughs) is you know we we know this is a technique that quint uses when he goes out hunting and it's mentioned here so we can sort of very quickly like do the maths when that is mentioned and be like oh (laughs) this is gonna take a lot to bring this particular shark down
2: uh yeah no that's i was just gonna say the barrel thing that's a good like way to just be like oh okay so when he goes to hook the barrel up later now you know what it's for or somewhat what it's for you're like Mm -hmm. i had to stick two barrels in them and then when you actually see why they use it you're like that makes sense until you see how big the shark is and then you're like yeah no two barrels ain't gonna do the job (laughs) (laughs) and it's almost when you said he's a 25 footer the force not foreshadowing but not again not to get too much in the future ones but Hooper does say it's a 20 footer and he goes 25 and it's just like, God damn it, Quint. You can't just let Hooper have one moment in this, in this whole damn third act for so many parts. It's just like, Quint, come on. Who cares? So maybe it is 25. Let Hooper have his moment. Sorry. Didn't mean to get too far ahead. But when you just said 25 footer, I go, I always think of how Quint's just so quick to be like, it's actually 25. (laughs) I can just tell by looking at it, you know? Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. It's for the better that Quint didn't have the internet. (laughs)
0: yeah Yeah, could you imagine
1: (laughs) they would have
2: been like you were somehow kicked off the internet completely not just off twitter or facebook (laughs) or instagram they're like you're not allowed on the internet at all it'll just block you if you're using it quint that's the Mm
1: uh i love the line which is like i it does have something to do with the foreshadowing but it just makes me laugh too i like when he says that he's seen a shark eat a rocking chair before um (laughs) because one it sounds like he's it's the start of a list of a bunch of crazy stuff that uh he's seen a shark eat two it implies that he actually watched the shark devour the rocking chair, which implies that he fed a shark a rocking chair. And that's great. That um, sounds like
2: the world's worst children's book. When you feed a shark a rocking chair, like <laughs> you're just, like it's I want to write a children's book with Quint and you could, you could write it as he would talk without swearing, oh but it's just gosh. like, Here's him. Here's a rocking chair to a giant shark. It devours. It and you're like, and that's the book. This is the one time Quint saw a shark oh, eat a great. rocking chair.
1: Um, but I also like that it, like even in the foreshadowing, because it's kind of a throwaway line, right? Besides the, you know, maybe the shark will eat it. The him throwing, the, him eating the rocking chair doesn't really have anything to do with what they're talking about, or even what's going to happen later in the film. Um, but I like that even though the foreshadowing, they kind of put these little, like, this little flourish on this little, like, set decoration to it to kind of just flesh it out a little bit of, like, oh, this is the characters lived in experience that, like, you know, sharks eat weird stuff. We've also seen them eat, you know, uh, the, the, uh, license plate and the, Mm. you know, the, the can of stuff earlier in the film. So it's just these little, like, this little, like, you know. Uh, garnish on what I think, in especially in like a 2021 blockbuster, would be like maybe that shark will end up with one in its mouth. Mm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, it's I I feel like now foreshadowing is just never done as well as it is in Jaws. I'm sure there are other like good examples, but I my mind is just constantly blown by how good the foreshadowing is in this film, and like we've seen one of those books that brody was flicking through the shark books there is like a picture of a shark with one of those canisters in its mouth right i think we Mm -hmm, mentioned mm -hmm. that at the at the time so we've seen a lot of the stuff that becomes so important later on and i just think it's so expertly woven throughout the film that it's not it's not just like dropped in to the point where it's kind of like groan inducing where you're like okay yeah all right we we get it like i mean we talked about that with the the orca and the jaws of the shark last week you know how that could have seemed really really cheap and a bit sort of like gross if it was you know all perfectly symmetric you know symmetrical wes anderson style right in the center of the screen but the the actual composition of that shot was very very effective and the the way the boat sort of moved into the shot it told you everything you needed to know without it kind of slapping you around the face with it really and I think that that's what the the foreshadowing does in this and it's something that I really appreciate and I think is maybe we said this last week as well with Cordelia that the the rewatchability of this film is honestly second to none because even as we're talking about things now I'm mentally making notes of things I know I'm going to need to bring up in future episodes because the, the links from from this scene and previous moments, uh, you know, tie together in in other bits that we see later in the film. And it's just, I mean, we talk about Jaws being like the gift that keeps on giving. And I think that (laughs) it's it's littering these sort of like small amounts of of foreshadowing and into the appropriate places that just really help that rewatchability because you watch this for the second time and they're talking about the canisters blowing up that's going to hit different to the way it would the first time you watch it. Because the first time you'd be like, oh, okay, a canister could blow up. Yeah, they, they, they do that. If you don't know how the film ends, like, that is your... It's just going to be a different experience the next time you watch it and you know and all of these lines start to make sense and all of these pieces start to fit together. And it's just like, I mean, what a film.
2: <laughs> well, Jaws seems like the movie, like, my, my dad has told me like seeing Rocky for the first time in theaters mm-hmm. or Greece because, you know, he was early, like early, like mid teens when those movies were coming out that like there's certain movies in theaters back then when it was like, Oh my God. Or like nowadays, well, it's like, the, you know, Avengers end game. I saw that opening night. I'm like, that was an amazing experience. I feel like jaws that mm-hmm. first run Had like if I could get planted back to see a movie for the first time, like your mind's wiped and you're there in the 1975 watching it, that had to be one of the craziest viewing experiences because, like now we all know it and it's still great to watch, but like that first time being like, oh my god, you know what what is this movie? Like no one had a really a a notion of like what the hell kind of shark movie is there going to be? Like what there really hadn't been like. Mm. Big time monster movies like that, you know, that weren't fake looking Godzilla movies um, <laughs> that even then weren't as big as in, in America, you know. And yeah, but like with this movie, it's just like, man, that had to be one of the like one of the all time greats. Like, go to a theater with a packed house and just be like, oh my God, like this, the scares and the laughs and everything that that would that would be like an all time thing to get to go back in time to get to watch with mm. a theater full of people.
0: same for me if i could go back and see anything mm-hmm. it would be jaws i just i i get to sort of experience it by watching it with people for the first time because i i get that first you know fresh eyes seeing the film and so I, I like to watch it with people who have never seen it before i had two friends over today and both of them were like we've never seen jaws and i was like oh my gosh and i almost didn't <laughs> let them leave uh until they watched it but they had places to be and i had a podcast to record so i was like <laughs>
1: about jazz.
2: shadowing yeah Or shadow. Remember oh, that.
1: I cannot wait until I watch this with someone who's never seen it before. After we're done with this podcast,
0: mm-hmm. I am going to be
1: insufferable. <laughs> I
0: am kind of like that a little bit whenever I, I watch it with Martin now. And actually, after last week's record, I came downstairs. And because he'd been listening back to some of our old episodes, Martin was watching Jaws. And I've never been so happy in all my life. I was like, oh, I just so- got done for like an hour and a half talking about it and now you're watching it and it was right at the start as well so I got to watch I got to watch the whole thing but I'm very annoying now to watch it because I'm like, yeah, oh, I, did you catch that? Yeah. You, <laughs> I feel
1: like you would just be better off replacing us on the couch with just a loop of the Leo pointing at the TV from
0: once <laughs>
2: to <and laughs> <and laughs> <five laughs> once Sarah, you need to get a um, I don't know if you guys remember those staples buttons that would come out where you could click it and it'd be like, staples, yep. that was easy Sarah, you need one of just, if Martin makes you mad, of uh, Hooper yelling, damn it, Martin. And like, <laughs> if he does something to annoy you, just press the button and it's like, uh-oh, that's Hooper yelling at me. <laughs> I did something bad. Like, only if he really did something where you're like, damn it, Martin, and then you just hit it.
0: <laughs> that's so funny because I frequently use just a lot of Jaws quotes in everyday conversation with him where i don't think we've no we're coming up on the hooper drives the boat chief so i'll i'll save that for (laughs) when, when and how i use that towards my fiance um but now this i yeah this damn it martin has like added another another one to my repertoire of uh easy quotes to insert into everyday life uh, to my fiance. It's very convenient (laughs) that he's called Martin as well.
2: (laughs) Martin, I apologize for bringing that up now because it's going to be one reason to be like, son of a gun. I just, first I have the Hooper Drives the Boat, which I cannot wait to hear what that's about. (laughs)
0: Yeah, we also both just, uh, the episode he came on for actually um, was when uh, the mayor is talking about the billboard and he's like, sick vandalism. Um, We (laughs) both just say that whenever we're like slightly aggrieved about something. Um, (laughs) Like the, I don't know, a delivery hasn't arrived or something that we were expecting and we're just like, sick vandalism. (laughs) This is what it's like to to be living with me. It's a real, uh... It's a real good time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, adding "damn it, Martin" to my uh, to my list. This is very exciting. Uh, <laughs> uh, did you guys have anything else in your notes that you wanted to uh, to mention about this scene? I'm I'm fairly confident we could talk for another hour, but uh, yeah, <laughs> if you had anything else that you wanted to mention,
2: just really quick, uh, the the scene leading right up to it. I know you guys talked about last week, but I think joking singing Quint is the greatest Quint in the world. When he's just (laughs) having, he is like a kid in not just a candy store, but it's like a candy toy store game store where it's just like, Mm -hmm. Oh my God, it's everything I love. He is so happy and just like, "Uh, we're going to hunt the shark. He's just like, I cannot God, I cannot. It's almost sickening that he's like, I can't wait to go out and kill this damn shark. And it's just like, okay, you maybe shouldn't be this excited to go out and, and do it. But Yeah, that just thinking like leading up to the scene, I'm like, oh, happy Quint, such a nice Quint. And then (laughs) we we get to meet plenty of pissed off, angry, kind of suicidal Quint at Mm. points later on in this movie. But yeah, just great scene. And like you guys said, when when I've, you know, talked about this podcast to people who haven't and I'm like, they get an hour out of 1 minute and when you listen to it you're going to be like okay i see now how <laughs> you could get an hour out of 1 minute of talking like jaws it's it's one of those movies that i will forever be like hey everyone should see it and if you don't like it there might be something wrong with you and i get it <laughs> not every not all movies are for everyone but i'm like jaws should be able to, to pretty much be for any type of person could yeah. could enjoy jaws
1: mhm yeah yeah, um, I don't have anything except to say, I don't know someone who doesn't, who, I don't know someone who, like, hates Jaws, you know what yeah. I mean, like, I don't think there's a person, like, if you say you hate Jaws, you're wrong, but, like, <laughs> you know, I, I guess I could understand someone being like, oh, it's fine, not for me, you know, whatever, but, like, I don't think there's a single person who, like, truly hates Jaws, like, it's mm-hmm. like, especially if it's one of those things to me where it's like the Beatles, right? Like they're, they're like dipshits who are like, I don't like the Beatles. And it's like, well, have you liked the song since 1967? Because if you have, you like the Beatles. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to tell you. If you've liked a movie since 1975, you've liked Jaws in some way, shape or form. Like, it's just one of those, <laughs> like, you know,
2: and how um, it's still a movie that like is as, just- big on pop culture still. Like it's a movie that a lot, there's always a parody, whether it's of jaws, but like the line coming up, which is the most classic line of the movie has been used in so many other type of references to something that like how many movies, I mean, it's a special, there's a reason why it's still so well, uh, like renowned this many years later. And it's one of those that I think I'm going to keep buying. What, like I own the Blu-ray 4k and a DVD version. And I'm like, what the hell is going to be next after 4k? Is it going to be 5k? And then it's like, damn, I got to go buy another version of jaws. Like, <laughs> I, And I have it saved on my like TV. And it's just like, it's, it's just one of those movies that I don't think I will ever tire of watching it. Um, And it's, now I need to have a Jaws birthday party for my, like, <laughs> I'm going to have to wait till maybe I turn 40 now because it feels like to be a weird theme for just a random birthday. Like, it feels like it needs to be a special, yeah. like mm-hmm. your 30th made sense to do yeah. a blowout. So it's like, okay, I got eight years to prep for this awesome Jaws theme party that I'm going to do. <laughs> and I don't know why I just said Jaws in a really weird accent. There. I'm like <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, my my next uh, big significant thing that I'll be celebrating is my wedding in two months. So, uh, is it Jossine too late? wedding, go for it! Yeah. <laughs> is it too late to add some? Back touches? to the drawing board. Yeah.
2: Yeah, you're like cans for everyone. No beer bottles at our open bar. It's
0: <laughs> cans that you
2: gotta rip it off, or you don't get to drink it.
0: Yeah, Gansett, I am once again appealing. Please send us <laughs> some <laughs> beers. I will have it at my wedding. I will give it. Oh my gosh, that'd be the best wedding favor no one would understand it apart from me and i would be so happy okay yeah that's fine we gotta make this happen (laughs) (laughs) all righty um nick it has been a real treat to have you on thank you so much for for coming on and and chatting to us about this wonderful moment in the film um so if you have got anything that you would like to plug or let people know where they can find you uh, on social media then uh yeah now is now is your chance
2: yeah, uh, no, thank you guys. This has been awesome. I have I felt like this was a moment that was never going to come because it was so far down the line. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's it's been a blast. I'm like, uh, I, I could do this all day. So, uh, yeah, if, uh, if you want to reach out to me on Twitter, uh, I'm at uh, M underscore Nick 89. And you just like to talk about movies. That's generally it's movies and Chicago sports is uh, <laughs> what I like to chat about. So, yeah, but if you want to talk about Jaws? I'm always open to do that. <laughs>
0: yeah um (laughs) have you got anything uh you would like to plug as well mj uh
1: real perspective that episode is out on suicide squad i promise because i am late to the recording right now um so we have that out we should also have a second episode out by the time you're hearing this um so we came out with two episodes this week um one on james gunn's suicide squad the other one on a short film <clears throat> some Real Perspective uh, alumnus and uh, current hosts and friends of the show have worked on. Um, I was not involved with this one. Usually when we set out to make something, I'm involved in some capacity. I was not involved. So this is going to be, one, my way of inserting myself into that process. And two, <laughs> um, it's going to play a little bit more like a traditional like interview, which is weird because everyone except for one person is either a current or former co-host of the show. So I'm going to be <laughs> uh, like, inter- like I have questions prepped to talk to them about um, mm. the process of, so the first half is talking to um, Mike, who's my cur- one of my current co-hosts and Corey, who's a former co-host. They co-wrote and shot the film together. So it's going to mm. be more about like the development and production process. And then uh, Missy and Jordan, Missy's one of the current co-hosts and Jordan is her boyfriend um, who performed in the film um and i'm just gonna interview them about performing in the the short film so that episode should be out as well it's like i don't know what it's called yet but it's about penance the short film that they just made and behind the scenes stuff so yeah this is my first of four recording sessions i have today
0: oh boy (laughs) got a long day ahead. Uh, it's was pretty yep. close to me going to bed, so that is kind of wild to think about. Um, <laughs> I have, uh, yeah, I guess I will have to stop plugging this at some point, but the uh, final episode of my uh, Disney classic series for Jumpcast is out. Uh, so we did a, a big uh, wrap-up final episode that ran at uh, three hours, uh, but it is split into two chunks. Uh, so you can listen to that and find out uh, particularly how much our lists changed from when we started the process to when we finished Uh, it was kind of wild how much change we had in our respective top 10s so definitely worth listening to that and we also get into some uh, very silly and fun questions and lists and ranking everything that you could possibly want with Disney so uh, you can go and check that out just search for Jumpcast wherever wherever you find your podcasts and you should find that um who knows what i'm gonna plug after <laughs> next week i'll just be like hey i saw a really cute dog the other day uh <laughs> sorry you can't also see them uh i'll try and think of a p- <laughs> uh, some other things just open, make during. everyone
1: make everyone try to watch pig
0: yeah okay i will just yeah i'll 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 turn it into my recommendation uh of a film for the week uh you should all go and watch pig because it is excellent and made me cry a lot um a lot it, a lo- <laughs> damn that pig same <laughs> uh you can find uh, us on social media um on twitter specifically the show is at jaws for a minute on twitter you can find me i am at sarah Buddery, and mj is at mj smith 891 uh if you want to reach out to us on there you can do that uh you can also email us if you don't use uh twitter then our email address is jaws for a minute at gmail.com um so you can get in touch that way uh you can also follow our wonderful graphic designer alex uh on twitter he is getting married very soon as well so you can go and give him a little congrats uh or good luck for the wedding depending on when you're listening to this uh he is at hex shadow on twitter um, so you can go and find him there and Kristen, who did our incredible theme song that we were singing the praises of once again uh off mic before we started recording you can find her on instagram at kristenfallsmusic. music And there you can find, uh, through the link in her Instagram, uh, how to purchase the theme song on Bandcamp. I think the link is also in our Twitter bio uh, for that also. We've got like a link tree that has the links to all the things you need so you can get the theme song that way as well. Uh, A couple of ways you can support the show, which we really appreciate. Uh, of no extra cost to you you can rate review and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice and just tell all your friends about us as well whether they like jaws or not uh you can recommend us to them preferably if they like jaws i guess would be a bit of a Random listen if uh, they've never heard of Jaws before or seen it, but hey, uh, stranger things have happened. Uh, so yeah, tell tell everyone you know about us and uh, and give us a rating as well on your podcatcher of choice would be great. Uh, you can purchase our merchandise through Tee Public and Redbubble that has uh, Alex's designs on it. Uh, the link to those is in our twitter bio we've got our show logo and then our variant logo as well which is uh, the sign off line that you hear on every episode and um, so some great things that you can buy on there and if you would like to support um, us with a small donation you can do that through our coffee page uh, once we hit our next goal then we'll do another draw uh, for a piece of merch so you could uh, if you donate through that have a chance of winning some merchandise Uh, if you've already donated you're still eligible um and any new donors as well until we hit that next goal will all be eligible to to enter and win that piece of merchandise so definitely worth looking at that the links to all of these things are in our twitter bio um so you can find all of the stuff that you need there and until next time it's jaws o'clock somewhere